cheese that feeling when you order a three piece and you get four for any choice. <laughs> and they're the limited edition special sauce at the Chick fil A. If Chick fil A wasn't homophobic, Danette Smith. Whoa, chicken based. And welcome to Verses, the podcast where poets confront the ideas that move them. Brought to you by the Poetry Foundation and Post Loudness. Apparently, we like chicken. Yes. I know. How did we both become chicken themed? I don't know. That's amazing. I'm excited to geek out with our guest today, Brittany Black Rose Capri. Yes, known ho, known black, known <laughs> queer, known nerd. Yes. Uh, Franny, you're a nerd. Uh, well, okay. No, I don't say that exactly. I'm a oh fucking nerd, God. too. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing no, I'm... myself in you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. T- to be fair, one of the proudest moments of my life was uh-huh. at the Nerd Slam, which is a side event at the National Poetry Slam, uh-huh. when Phil Kay and I read a poem, and the entire crowd shouted, nerd. Nerd, 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 which could have been a very traumatic moment yes. if it had happened like 10 years prior. Yeah. But fortunately, <laughs> it was like the crowning achievement of my career. Yes, yes. So I, all of which is to say I take it as a compliment. Amen. It is a compliment. Yeah. What kind of nerd are you? Like what's my primary Yeah, like, nerd like, like what's your dumb. sun sign in nerd? <laughs> my nerd sun sign? Yeah. I'm a Harry Potter son. Okay. Oh, I like this. Pokemon okay. Rising. Okay, I like where you're going. Lord of the Rings Moon. Whoa. Okay. Right. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. What about you? <laughs> I am a Sailor Moon Sun, mm. uh, Naruto Rising, yeah. and a okay. X-Men Moon. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very queer. Very yes, queer. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> queer, but also with claws. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we contain multitudes uh-huh. of geekiness. <laughs> yes. And our next guest contains a lot of multitudes. Um, she is a black queer hoe. How do I know? She called her book that. Um, yes. That'll be coming out this fall. She is an amazing... Um, a mentor, community activist, just all around the bee's knees. Um, and we are so excited to get to talk to her about all kinds of stuff, including her mentorship, including uh, what it means to carry lots of multiple mm-hmm. selves uh, in one red tattooed body. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Yes, this is Brittany Black Rose Capri. We are here in the studio with none other than Brittany Blackrose Capri. Welcome to this tiny room. Welcome, Nick. <laughs> this is a tiny ass room. It is. It tiny, is. tiny padded room. Mm-hmm. My future. The inside. <laughs> it's like I like to think about it as like the inside of like a rather insignificant God's womb. Mmm. Okay. Or a recording studio. <laughs> Either or. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck to say. But you chose an insignificant God to describe your working space. Yes. So maybe we we should have a talk. Yeah. I feel like you can't be inside like a popular guy. Like you can't just be inside like Gaia's womb, you know? Like that's like a pretty important womb. It's a major, so like, it's a major what's womb. The, major God what's womb. What's the God right with like the... Like the, the God of Flaming Hot's womb. Like that's where we're in right oh, now. Oh my God. <laughs> that's a very important womb if you are like a Chicagoan. Like... Have you met these nigglets? Okay, what about uh, <laughs> what about the god of hot fries? Okay. Okay. <laughs> True. True. It's black. It's black in here, y'all. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah, black with a red door. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing today, Brittany? I'm exhausted. Mm. I was just with 104 teenagers. Oh, Whoa. oh my goodness. Doing what? Um, It's the start to the Did louder you... than a bomb season. Oh, uh, So we had Captain's Council, mm-hmm. um, right. where they have an insane amount of energy. Mm-hmm. As I was leaving, one of the kids turned to me and was like, hey, Brittany, you trying to match? So obviously, I haven't instilled the proper fear into these nigglets. And I will be spending <laughs> the next four weeks reminding them that I am not the fucking one. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> does, does all that energy, do you find yourself, like, 
absorbing that energy or just drained by that energy of the teenagers? Whilst I'm in front of them, I'm absorbent. I'm like super hype. Mm -hmm. I'm as soon as I am alone, it is like a deflated balloon. Like, I, I love it. I love the festival. I love my students. I love uh-huh. I love the madness. But the moment I, like, step out of the venue, it's like, hey, don't talk to me on the street. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> when I, like, see my students on the weekends in, like, public, I'm always like, hey, hey, you know the rules. Do not speak to me. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, for sure. Like, I'm like, mm, nope, it's Saturday. You're not a real person. <laughs> You have humanity Monday through Friday. Oh, yes. Lots that's of it. Really, I love them. That's a really, like, blunt, but, like, really good self-care tactic. Oh, no. Right? I, I had yeah. to. I see them everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, like, getting panties at Target, and somebody walked up to me. I was like, you you don't get to be here when I'm in the intimate <laughs> aisle at Target. <laughs> Do not speak to me. How did you learn I'm... that? Uh, because I feel like so many of us, like, I think the, like, natural inclination is to like, give and give and give and yeah, give and give sure, so much to yourself sure. as educators. Mm-hmm. Was there a person who taught you that? Was that just to experience, like, sort of a breaking point? Or <laughs> like... My first year, they had access to me everywhere. In my personal life, my social media, my email, oh, my phone. Media. That's and they... Fun. I see my students in public a lot, especially since a lot of my friends are Chicago musicians. Mm -hmm. So a lot of Chicago shows are like 18 plus or all ages. And it was just really uncomfortable engaging with them in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And so I had to figure out what it was. And like, it's like, you know, my students know me and they know my humor. So it's like, yo, on the weekend, you don't get to talk to me unless I've engaged you. You know, some people don't take to it well. Most of them get it like, okay, cool. But like if I see them at concerts and they talk to me, I'm like, if you don't talk to me, I'll tell security you're drinking. And then they scurry away. (laughs) Very, very quick. They scurry away really quick. I know what you're doing and I will snitch (laughs) because I'm trying to drink in peace. (laughs) Please go away. Um, But it was a lot of, it was like two years of just constant access to young people's trauma Hmm. And it put me into a spiraling, spiraling depression because I felt like Hmm. I didn't have enough people to be there for me. And so I needed to be there for them. Hmm. And then I realized, like, I can't be the best mentor if I'm also not taking care of myself. So, like, you just have to give me these, like, two days where you leave me alone. If you want to say something to me, tweet it. I'll respond to tweets. I'll respond to Instagram. I'll respond to Facebook. But, like, in person, I just need to, like, not have to be somebody's mentor Mm, for a few days for sure are there other things you're doing these days like self-care things that you're into right now i have a personal trainer yes she's a tiny satan (laughs) (laughs) she's a very very petite woman that is kicking my ass yo i think that's the way with personal trainers you either like have to like want to fuck them or want to kill them (laughs) or like want to be freed from them (laughs) oh no um she doesn't know i'm an artist so she'll never come across this i fuck her she's cute um (laughs) But no, I just like, I'm training for the Tough Mudder competition. What's that? Tough Mudder is a 5K obstacle course of death. Um, Obstacle course. It's an obstacle course. I don't like running. I think running is the stupidest thing in the world, unless the cops are behind me. I'm not going to just like run for fun. That's ridiculous. Um, Nigga, what? Yeah. The idea of jogging is like extremely I run for survival and that's it. So I, I like truly, truly enjoy obstacle courses and I huh. enjoy like sports. So like one of my favorite things is like whitewater rafting. I love zip lining. Ooh. I love like intense things. And so Tough Mudder is a 5K with like these ridiculous obstacle courses in mud. So it's like really, really difficult. Whoa. And so you create these teams and everybody dresses up super funky and super crazy. So me and a bunch of people are going to do our first Tough Mudder in August. And I'm really excited about wow, that. Wow, 5K obstacle. What are the obstacles like? So there's like, (laughs) 
It's like climb this wall. Uh, have your friends push you over this wall. There's these like rotating logs in mud that you have to like get over what? and like under. And it's like, it's just. Oh, it's like American Ninja. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Except for in mud. Yeah. And less like hitting yourself in the face with like metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> less but, concussion. So I you think. hit yourself in the face with good. wood. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but there is an America Ninja training gym in mm-hmm. the West Loop um, that I'm going to start going to once a month. Wow. And because I, I like truly love competition. So mm-hmm. once I've like done a full month with my trainer, I'm going to start going to American Ninja Warrior Training Gym, which I will never try and participate in because I'm 5'2 and I don't believe in knocking my teeth out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. You got nice good teeth. Standards. You should knock those out. I, I have pretty decent teeth. You know, I want to keep them that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I got dental uh, insurance now. You know, check a bitch you is out. grown. Yes. 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 I'm yes. still terrified of dentists and I haven't used I have a tab have open with my dental insurance. I haven't been to the dentist, honestly, y'all, in about like three, four years. I've been to the dentist like, about five, six years. I feel like the last time I went to the dentist, my mother dropped me off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I went to a dentist once. Up until a year ago, I still had a baby tooth in my face, um, and no wait, one wait, said anything. Wait, what? It finally came out. It just fell out. It was just rotting in my face. But I had <laughs> oh a tooth growing on top of another tooth, and, a, and the dentist was talking to me and just yanked it out without telling me. <gasps> and I was like, oh, I'm never coming back here again. This was the worst <laughs> thing ever. Um, I feel like, wait, did, did, he give, did they give you a warning? No. You just pulled the tooth. They're just like, blah, blah, no, blah. No, anyway. I wasn't under anything. Oh. Talking. He just yanked the tooth out of my mouth. Oh, my God. Oh, no, did no, you fight no. him? No, that was the first time I had gone to a doctor appointment on my own. At like, I was like 19, and I was just like, is this a thing? Is this a thing that happens when you when you go without your parents? <laughs> and then my mom was like, just no, bitch. Body parts no, out of that's you. not what they do. That's not okay. And I was like, oh, well, I'm never going back to one of these things. <laughs> so I have a tab up with my dental insurance, and I look at it daily like, I should make an appointment. <laughs> I feel like not. dentists like don't have good enough PR for them to just be doing shit like that. You know, like was... gotta encourage people to come to you. Yeah, it's that like nine out of like... ten dentists apparently want their ass whooped. Like, right. Oh, <laughs> With this crest. <laughs> With this crest. <laughs> With this crest. <laughs> Which toothbrush is best for sticking it up here? <laughs> Let me know, sir. Well, but, you know, which I'm... end of the toothbrush? Because some of them got some nice curves on the on the not brush your teeth end. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm the only so, one that looks at my toothbrushes in a sexual way sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you're not the only one, but the only one in this room, perhaps. Man, okay. You know, maybe not everybody's not everyone is comfortable with talking about their toothbrushes. I live my truth, too. you know. I want oral health in all my mouths. For sure. Uh, Next time we um travel together, you will be in a different bathroom. Than me. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it's okay. I find well, you know, that. like there's some like the vibrating ones. They're the electric okay. toothbrushes. This is, you know, this has gone down a dark turn. Like, why would you make it vibrating? Well, you know, in the middle of this, like towards the beginning of this podcast, we switched from being sponsored by the Poetry Foundation to Post Loudness. Is just Vice and Pornhub. So yeah, um, yeah. Oh, oh. yay, Pornhub. Gosh, yeah. shout out to they, Pornhub. Pornhub, Pornhub and their like logos around like <laughs> around holidays is well, actually the best thing. It is, except I, I, I was kind of weirded mean? out about the Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> Wait, what? So Pornhub's logo I changes for I'm... holidays. So like during like they'll put like the O becomes like a black power fist. Like they are wild. Oh, 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 and then 
then like it'll become like a shamrock. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're pretty reckless and they don't give a fuck. Grace Lee Boggs for um, (gasps) for Asian American history. Yeah, like like we're come on, no one's doing anything for Asian American history. Let's be real. (laughs) No, no, Pornhub believes in you know they have a an Asian section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have to they have to adhere Asian American empowerment. There's actually a petition to name it the Asian diaspora section. The Asian diaspora section that is clutch that is key <laughs> that's the porn hub that I believe in yeah and then it's like a subsection it's like what kind of Asian do you the, want right, right, this right, is the right, future right. that millennials want mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord okay so speaking anyway. okay so we talked <laughs> so speaking of porn hub my book is called Black Queer Home <laughs> yes it is please interview yourself please continue <laughs> tell yourself more <laughs> say more well well, what, is, what has been writing the book like? Because uh, you were saying earlier before we pushed the record button that the book is kicking your ass. What's kicking your ass about it? Well, one, my friend Jose and I decided to do our books in a three-month time crunch, unlike normal people. Hmm. Um, so it was three months ago that I signed my contract, and it is going out on Thursday. Oh so I didn't give myself the proper amount of time that people normally do, even though I'd been working on the manuscript. But realizing, like, as I was working it, I, like, saw you, like, tweet about this similar. Like, once I got, like, 40 pages in, I was like, oh, this book isn't what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And it drastically shifted in a way that I love, but... Yeah, that's that, like a beautiful like, thing if you have the time to then. But that freaked me out because I was like, fuck, there's a bunch of stuff that I thought I was going to write that mm. now I'm not going to write and the bunch of stuff that I need to figure out what to write. But also, I've just never done anything on this type of scale. Like, my mm. chat book was easy because I had already had those poems. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin came up and was like, hey, these 12 poems belong in a book. I didn't realize I was writing a chat book. I was just writing poems about mm. my brother and about the hood. So, like, writing towards a specific goal has been just, like, beautiful, and I love it, and I'm so happy with my book. But also, it just is, like, I have a full-time job, Mm. and I mentor 200 kids that are always (laughs) sending me their poems. Mm. Um, And I'm just, like, trying to balance my work life, actually seeing people I care about, Mm -hmm. and my family and this book have proven to be very difficult. My mom calls me every day, like, is your book done? Am I going to see you? And I'm like, yeah. It's not still, nigga, leave me alone. <laughs> Do you want to brag about me? Then the book has to be done, woman. Well, there you go. It's the conversation we have. bargaining chip for a mom. Do you want to shove this in your fr- friend's face? <laughs> you want exactly. to be better than Sharon? Exactly. <laughs> and, so she, and then she's always like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I like had this like clear idea of like mm-hmm. what the book was going to be. I knew how it was going to be ordered and what it was going to be broken up into. And then I realized that the way I was trying to do black and queer and whole was in sections. And I was like, mm-hmm. I talk about intersectionality all the time. So like I cannot break these things up because they exist, they coexist in me and in this book. And mm-hmm. these poems can't be like segregated. And then that like sent me into a like whole whirlwind of like, why am I doing this and why are these things that I'm talking about and am I not talking about these other identities in myself? But mm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense that ordering a book is hard when the book is so tied to like your own identity and your own life. Like, I guess it is sort of a thing that we're like forced to do or asked to do to like mm-hmm. organize our identities into like little coherent sections. But for a book, like, that's so hard. <laughs> What is uh, working on this book taught you new about yourself, either as like a person or as a poet or both? A lot of my poems start off in like this prose format. I really like the way they looks like block wise. Mm. But So that's um, like your first drafts? Or, yeah. Or your typical, okay, prose uh, blocks. But okay. like Kevin has come through and be like, this is a gazelle. 
this is a sonnet. You're not actually paying attention to the form mm. and you're just falling back on this thing that you're comfortable with. Mm. And so I've done more like going through and being like, okay, is this a broken gazal? Is this a broken sonnet? Trying to do my best to pay attention to form more mm. and think about like how someone else is going to see this. Cause the prose makes sense to me. Mm. It's not too bulky for me. It's not too dense for me because it's my poems. But when this leaves my hand, it needs to be accessible and available to the people that are going to read it. And so thinking about form, I think I've been working towards over the past few years, like what poems look like on the page. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm like, this is actually going to go in print, like thinking about like how it's going to be viewed once I can't explain it has been really, really sure. interesting. And, like, if it requires too much explanation when I'm talking to it with my editors, then I'm not doing what I need to be doing Right, is what I'm realizing. Well, I think because it's interesting because, like, the way your career path has, like, played out, I think it's been that, you know, you're not, like, super... You don't submit a lot. Your publishing credits are, like, bomb. It's, like, Poetry Magazine and, like, a couple <laughs> other places. But, like, you know, that, like, I think most people have been, who have encountered your work have encountered it, um... Via your body, via yeah. you, like, you know. Right. But it's also, your poems maybe have lived more in the body. I know that you are still an avid reader. Um, and I know that you are still, you know, you're right, you're, right. you're wise on this shit. I don't want to say translating them into the page, but now, you know, furthering that exploration. Who are, like, the pillars that you're reaching towards? Right. Or are there, like, books that you've been reading yeah. saying, like, oh, I want my book to do the this kind of work? Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason why a lot of things are in block form is... One of the most life-changing experiences was reading Meaty by Samantha Irby. Mm. And Samantha Irby being an essayist, and Samantha refuses to call herself a poet, but the bitch is a fucking poet. And mm. the, it's just fucking beautiful mm. and vulgar and real and raw. Because I think about, like, myself, like, my—anybody that, like, actually knows me knows my social media is, like, ridiculous. But, like, I craft all of my posts— very, very intentionally. Mm -hmm. And, like, Samantha Irby also, like, her following on her Facebook is, like, very, very intentional and very, very dope. And, like, thinking about, like, how do I present this, like, form that is typically, like, meter mm -hmm. and rhyming shit that I'm not really interested in? Mm -hmm. But, like, how do I take this thing that I think is beautiful and also blend it with, like, the very hood side of me and the very mm. scholar side of me and the very mm. vulgar side of me. And I think all the poets that I typically love conveniently are my friends. I always go back to anything Hanif does. I think Hanif is, like, just one of the most ridiculously detailed poets mm. in a way that, like, reading his poems, I'm like— I think I know this reference. And then I like Google some shit like, God damn, I didn't even realize this was a music reference. Like the way that he is able mm -hmm. to put music references into his poems so effortlessly, mm -hmm. I think is the best thing. Like I think Hanif's books it are like- It becomes not patchwork. It's yes. actually like- in They're, it's like they're in the Easter DNA. eggs. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Easter eggs. Yeah. It's yeah. like surprise. Like if you get this reference, it's a really dope thing. But if you don't get this reference, the poem is still- amazing and mm -hmm. I think that's what I want I want to have like things that my friends are like oh that's hilarious mm -hmm. for us but also that any other person can come to the book and still find themselves and still find the conversation that mm -hmm. they need mm -hmm. and I think mostly because I am a nerd and I exist in like all of these different nerd cultures like easter eggs are like one of the best things about movies and video games and things like that and I want my book to have these easter eggs and I want my book to like 
resonate specifically with my friend group where like these are our inside jokes but how do I make inside jokes accessible without having to explain it is what I'm trying to do for sure I mean I think that that's beautiful the idea of like having those easter eggs and how they like create little like layers of intimacy Mm -hmm. you know like these it's like a layered audience right Mm -hmm. it's so interesting that you mentioned both uh, Samantha Irby and Hanif Abdurraqib who are like you said both essayists and, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering what you think is the difference between like an essay and a poem? Because a complete sentence. <laughs> that is it. Being a, like is and that and that's why like when Sam doesn't call herself a poet, I get so irritated. They're both lyric essays. The imagery, the metaphors, all of it is there, and it doesn't mean that those things don't exist in like regular essays. Mm-hmm. But I think their ability to pull their audience into their stories mm-hmm. is remarkable. Essays offer up a freedom that poems don't necessarily do, but also poems offer a freedom that essays don't do. Mm-hmm. And I think both of them have figured out a way to take both of those things mm-hmm. and blend them in the perfect it just is dope and and I, I guess also why I like look towards essayists is because I've always been a scholar school has always been a thing that I love mm. writing papers is super super easy for me I've done poems for years for years for years but I didn't take poetry seriously until I was in college but I'd been doing it it was just what my friends were doing it's what was accessible to me and I loved it but not truly the way I do now um my my professors would like talk about how my papers were like different than other people's and Mm. I realized why my dissertations never sounded like anybody else because my background in poetry like Mm. it's impossible for me not to write without verse it's just impossible it's Mm -hmm. how I it's how I talk it's how I view things it's like how I approach everything and it took me forever to realize that and then that really like made me like truly invest in my craft as a poet and really like sort of like what Danessa is saying is like most people would know me through performance Mm -hmm. and I'm a very very dramatic bitch on stage (laughs) I can make anybody cry at the drop of a dime and my poetry was trash but I could really, really sell some trash-ass poetry. <laughs> I could. And so now, in my older years, <sighs> I'm working on, like, making sure my my writing is meeting where my stage performance is. Mm-hmm. And that has been a lot of growth. And a lot of, like, having to acknowledge, like, I had a lot of people telling me I was dope and I wasn't. And it was like, thank you for, like, supporting me. But when it finally came to the time that I took it seriously, Kevin's like, okay, cool. Well, there's some work that we need to do, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Krista Franklin was like, okay, people have been telling you're dope, but now what? Um, get your ass to work. Work yeah. harder. Um, Avery has always been like, <laughs> nothing impresses him. <laughs> so do better. <laughs> and figuring out how to like take all of these little things and like marry them into a successful and honest and true version of myself is like what I'm trying to figure out. I don't publish very much. I don't perform very much often. Most of my time is spent with my kids. Mm-hmm. But I, I go I go places. I love music. I love movies. I love plays. And I engage with art every single day, even if people aren't engaging with my art. And that is always shaping the story I'm telling. Yeah, hmm. for sure. Who are you listening to right now that you feel like is in Joseph Chilliams. Yes. Oh, can I tell you that is <laughs> my, my best friend Joseph Chilliams. album of last year. Oh my God. Everybody go get Henry Church right the fuck now. So Joseph Chilliams performed at my first book release. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like my first thing and his first thing. Um, and so Joe is going to perform at my next book release. And it's just such a great feeling to watch my friend grow. And also I like, you know, this is going to show some of my growth. But like Joseph is one of the strangest people I've ever met. <laughs> and the nicest and the kindest. And one of the most talented. And he sounds like nobody 
else mm. at all. He truly has figured out his own style, his own steez. He's fucking magical. Mm-hmm. I listen to Henry Church daily. It like truly is one of the things that I wrote this book to. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. But it's also real. And like in when the book comes out. Oh, it hits you. Yeah. The jokes are sneaky. It's easy to call him a comedic rapper. Mm -hmm. And it's too easy to call him a comedic rapper. Because then if you really listen to that shit, I find myself like, you know, the switch between laughing and crying in his Mm -hmm. work is just so seamless. His ability to his ability to talk about black trauma Mm -hmm. with a smile Mm -hmm. is everything that I want from my book. And people will get it. My book, my book is Fucking hilarious. Like, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. ratchet and vulgar and pretty much just lengthy tweets. Um, but it is like, I'm tired of making people cry and I want to tell these stories without having to make people cry. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned a lot of that from Joe. There's an extremely subversive like history in that, in blackness, you know? Like, I think we're always turning. There's a history there when thinking about minstrelsy. There's a history there when thinking about mm. all the great black comedians, right? I think um, you think I think about Moms Mabley. I think about um, Richard Pryor. Richard I th- Pryor. You know, oh you're, in, you're in history with, you know? And even more recent folks like a Wanda Sykes, um, mm. like Whoopi Goldberg, like, uh, well, Whoopi Goldberg ain't, she, she old as shit now. Uh <laughs> She is. Them, them, dreads, them dreads is gray. Them dreads is gray. <laughs> uh, but no, it's like so many. Is there anybody super modern who's like really doing that for me in black comedy right now? Maybe. Like dark humor. Yeah, like baiting, baiting oh. them in, like baiting you in with the comedy. Michael really Che. give you this hard medicine. Michael, Michael Che. Michael Che, does Michael it really che well. is definitely. His, his stand-up special was amazing. Hilarious. Did you all see that Gerard Carmichael special? I did. Yes. That I was, did. Yes, yes. I did. Totally Even the editing bizarre. on that was just like yeah. totally tight. Oh, uh, Wyatt Sinek? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Wyatt yeah. Sinek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. We know you're a poet. What are some other genres that you think you'll play around with? Do you think you'll ever reach towards the essay? I would love, love, love to do essays. Um, right now, it's mostly just poetry and then mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. articles for, I work for Black Nerd Problems. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to mm-hmm. my nerds. I've only written one lyric essay, which is probably one of my favorite things that I've ever written still. Mm-hmm. Fatima Askar was like, she heard the poem and she's like, this is an essay. Like, you have, it, it's not a poem. Like, do the work. Fatima's um, always trying to push lyrics. She out. is, she is. True. But it was, but she was correct. She was correct. <laughs> <That's how she's laughs> but I would like, Reading Samantha, or, and, like, I will always come back to that bitch. I love that bitch. I, like, truly, like, when the first time, when a bunch of people found out me and Samantha Irby didn't know each other, it was like, how? Mm-hmm. And then when we met each other, I was like, oh, my God. You how? are me in the, you are literally me in the future. I cannot wait to be you, tattooed bitch. I love you. It's so she nice to meet a you from the future. She, mm-hmm. She's like, I'm she's, possible. She's dope. She has tattoos. She loves oh. talking about dick. It's great. It's my bitch. Um, but I would I would love wow. to like um, <laughs> I would love to do essays and like I think the next thing I want to work well, towards you is like then, mm-hmm. with the, with Black Mirror problems. Sort of, yeah. sort of not not nec- I wouldn't call them essays. There's they're mostly reviews, but it's, like it's on the step yeah. to. Yeah. Oh yes, I'm writing prose. I want to do an anthology around Black folks that like were involved or engaged in rock culture mm. like what did that look like in high school because mm. um, I was a serious metalhead um, but I also would like go back and hang out with gangbangers on my block and the duality of that life and so like after I'm done with this book I want to write a series of essays around like when people ask like how I like fucked with metal and it's usually like black people and I've always felt safe in like metal shows like mm-hmm. if you're in a mosh pit and you fall down folks pick you up 
at a rap show, dudes grab my ass. Um, and so, like, Oof. there was a place where I felt secure in my body as a little awkward, fat, chubby girl mm. where I didn't feel like anything was a focus besides, like, just getting out whatever the fuck you were happening. And so, like, I think mm. there's a bunch of essays around, like, the suicide of Chester from Lincoln Park, like, that, like, really hit home in a very strange way because Lincoln Park, like, truly saved my life. Hmm. If it wasn't for them, I I probably would not be here. Hmm. And so, like, what do these, like, cultures that black people are not supposed to be in that right. we technically created, um, so, like, what does that experience look like? And so, like, mm-hmm. in my head, I've just been writing these essays on us, and that started after um, Chester's suicide because it made me, like, revisit a lot of, like, really, really positive but also, like, really, really difficult times um, mm-hmm. when I was in high school. That sort of safety that's maybe not expected, not just as a black person, but as like a black queer woman, right? In the, that space, that like space of rock and metal. And also, like you said earlier in the in like nerd culture. Yeah, I was wondering if we if we could kind of come back to that. Mm-hmm. Your, how you find uh, safety and home in that culture, in that community. I always knew I was a nerd, but I never really felt like... I could call myself a nerd because, like, I don't like anime. or And I shouldn't say that. I don't watch anime. It's uh-huh. not that I don't like anime. That's only um, one kind of nerd. But there's, like, yeah, yeah but in, in my, what people call nerds was, like, anime or video games. And those aren't my things. I like I like wizards and elves and dragons. I'm shit like, I love magic. <laughs> I love magic oh, yo shit. Oh, ass is a nerd. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so when if I. If you're here saying, I love magic, you're a nerd. <laughs> yes. So when I found black nerd problems and then they were like, hey, you're allowed to, like, be hood as fuck and still be a nerd. And I always felt very strange. Like I just was sitting on the outside of all of these communities because I was engaged with so much. I played sports. I was also really into Harry Potter and I did poems and I also hang out with gangbangers. And so like I've never talked or sounded like any of the cultures and subcultures that Mm -hmm. I belong to. So Mm -hmm. it was just always uncomfortable and I never really felt like I belonged. And so like black nerd problems is just black and hood Mm. and hilarious and nerdy as fuck and i even then i like am still battling myself because i i'm really really bad at comparing myself to the people that i i love Mm. and so like sometimes i'm like man fuck like they all are so knowledgeable about these things and maybe i shouldn't be part of this workspace because i'm not as knowledgeable as them and everybody's always like or you could just cut that shit out and write about the things you like so like i've I get to talk about Harry Potter and I get to talk about my like serious love for like movies and TV shows about serial killers Mm -hmm. and like drafting my own reality TV zombie apocalypse team. Um, (laughs) And I get to just all of these like weird niches that I'm really interested in and also talk about shit that isn't like pain, Mm -hmm. which I feel like poetry is always like no matter what is still funny. It's still like hurtful um and, poetry yeah poetry offers itself up to pain really mm-hmm. easily and yeah. and black nerd problems is like hey this is shit you mm-hmm. love let's just talk about the shit that you love mm-hmm. and that feels good that my writing like doesn't have to serve anybody mm-hmm. and i stay away from like major things i'm not talking about star wars i'm not talking about black panther i'm not talking about anything where like ninety thousand people are going to show up yes but not in a way where two thousand people are going to show up in my mentions and tell me i'm a bad person that's true i realized i never really wanted to be famous mm. once i watched fan franny battle white people on twitter and, like it literally was watching <sighs> battle and i was like oh my god no i do not want people to actually have access i want like my brief I, terrible these, fame these three thousand people that are following me cool <laughs> 
frantic. Like I was like, I would be watching you battle people on Twitter and I'd be like, no, 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 mm. no, no, no. There was a time when uh, there was like a photo of me saying things about white people on the internet. Um, not even about white people, about whiteness on about the internet. Whiteness. And people get upset. Their feelings get hurt, and then they call me gook and chink and threaten to rape me. So, you know, you got to deal with that when that happens, I suppose. Like, that was, like, a very clear, like, I was like, oh, man, I really want to be famous. I want people, and then I, like, saw that, and I was like, oh, my God, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Because my favorite thing in the world is to tell white people, and not whiteness and not white structures, to tell white people. Um <laughs> I like to call them ones and threes and Caspers, and they be really hurt. And, they do. They do. And it's <laughs> one of the titles in the book is a list of things to call white men who call you Nubian queen. And it Ooh. is uh, wild. Uh, <laughs> so. Wait, has a white man called you Nubian queen? Oh, my God, girl. Really? I, uh, Tinder? Tinder. Oh. I never, I never been with a black girl. Oh, sorry. my Nubian queen. I feel like I'm I just forgot for the about swirl. the internet for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> they don't even know what Nubian is. They can't spell Nubian. Also, I am light skinned as hell. Yes, you are. <laughs> and a bitch is not a queen. My butterscotch princess. I, I'm a hoe. <laughs> Queens can be hoes too. Yes, but I'm not a queen. I'm a hoe. Okay. <laughs> you recognize your place in the court. Exactly. I, I don't got time for that. It seems like one of your life's projects and one of the things that is a strength of your work is this inability to be one thing. Thinking about how to section the book, thinking about yeah. like all these different groups that you're a part of. I'm really, I don't know, I think that's probably going to be part of your Saturn's return. I mean, so I, I wonder, like, you know, we have we have young folks that listen to this show. What would you say to anybody that feels like that pressure? Like, Because I think I dealt with that too and I didn't know what to do with that for a lot of years about how to feel comfort in the discomfort of not, you know, just being the this or the that, yeah, but, the being sure. the, but being A through F mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and, and a little bit of K2. Um, so. <laughs> I feel like you you look at the world and say like, oh, I don't see me. I guess I'm a fictional character. Yeah. I guess I don't actually exist. <laughs> yeah. Like what gave you access to like being able to be all yourselves? So I think about this all the time. Like whenever I say like I'm into sports, some dude like pops up like, do you know this statistic about this player from 1989? Oh I'm like, nigga, no, but I can tell you that the Bears just lost. <laughs> what? I didn't say I was a sports anchor. I didn't say I, I went to college. Sports. Like, And so like most of my life has been people in these cultures trying to call me out mm. because like like I love all of these things that like all of these high school movies tell you you're only supposed to be one of. Right. Whenever I like, I like love The Breakfast Club. I would not be any of them because Ooh, they're, they're, they're all too li- they're all too limited. <laughs> and I just always felt so uncomfortable because I always felt like people in these cultures were always telling me that I didn't belong. And I was like, but I but I did watch the game. I also like did read this book. I also did listen to this album. I also can change my own tire. I really like to play sports, but I do have three-inch nails. That has nothing to do with my ability to catch a football, motherfucker. Like, I can't. It was really, really hard for me when I was younger because I just always felt like an imposter. But, like, Mm. I knew that I truly loved these things. Mm. And then I just started tattooing the shit I love to me. I have Harry Potter tattoos. I have sports-related tattoos. I have poem tattoos. I have music tattoos. I have cartoons like these are the things I love and people don't get to take them away from me especially if they're on my body mm. I love like, that. So tattoos like, as a kind of ownership of yeah, it, yeah because like especially like I've been a baseball fan my entire life I've been a Cubs fan my entire life 
throughout that in ridiculous amount of pain. And then when the Cubs won, I was super excited and like hella, like literally hella dudes flooded my mentions. Like, you don't give a fuck. You're just some bear, some, some, some women. And I was like, well, I have a, I have a Cubs tattoo. I've also lived in this neighborhood. Like I live in walking distance. Mm -hmm. Like I can show you the Jersey that I've had since I was 14. Mm -hmm. And so I like just started committing the things I love to my body just for myself, but also, like, if you want to say something crazy to me, like, here, look at this Harry Potter tattoo. Mm -hmm. I don't really need to prove to you past this moment. You can see it. I'm gone. Because everyone always has, like, a pop quiz. Hmm. I felt so alone, but I was always surrounded by people. Mm -hmm. Because also, like, I would be in groups of people and, like, I'm with my nerd friends. And then, like, oh, the Bears lost. And I would get, like, really in my feelings and I couldn't talk to these people because they were so, we only talk about this. We only care about this. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. There's so much shit out here mm. to be engaged with. And I don't understand like, oh, well, I hate sports. And I'm like, okay, but why? There's no why? Okay, whatever. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> <talk about shit. laughs> and now I'm just like, I am all of these things. I'm allowed to be all these. And, and, and Twitter offering up the word intersectionality to me has really saved my life because and mostly we talk about intersectionality around, like, activism and feminism and, like, making sure we're incorporated. But, like, for me, it's solidified, like, that I can say that I am a sports-loving, video game-playing nerd that, like, is also a writer and all of these things. And I don't have to actually say anything past that. Like, I don't have to prove anything. I don't mm. have to do your fucking pop quiz. Mm. I don't have to do anything after that. No one was there to tell me that in high school. Mm. So, like, I always felt like an imposter. And, like, folks always, like, tried to, like, call me out and shit. But I also was, like, mad violent. So, like, people should try and call me out. And I was like, oh, well, I don't have an answer for you, so let's fight. <laughs> Which pretty much I, was, like, I can't answer about this, so let's just fight is how I handled everything. And now I just, like... Fuck you, dude. That's all I got to say is fuck you, dude. And keep it moving. <laughs> also, so, the mute option on Twitter is like a really oh beautiful. Oh, because you can mouth off and then just not hear it back. I love it. <laughs> That's what I do when like racist, like I like tweeted something that was like, hey, maybe like homophobia is wrong. And then, of course, straight people were like, nah, but faggots. So I like. Oh, I just love <laughs> I just love sending gifts. Like the fact that I could just mm. gift respond to your ignorance. And then people really be having conversations with me. And you're just going to get every love and hip hop gift yep. I can find. <laughs> My thing is calling people stupid because then they just continue to prove how they're stupid. And so I just be like, that was dumb. And then they'll just be like, mom, mom, but the but what I think is. And but then, Fox yeah. News. But Fox News. Fuck Fox News. I want to be on Fox News. I could have a show on Fox News. I want to be one of those like things want? that goes I kind of would want a show on Fox News. Like, how? Why? Why? Who? Whoa. I want to be interviewed on Fox what? News just so somebody can get me eye rolling at some white man. I just want... That would be a great <laughs> gift. Yeah. Speaking of great that's, gifts. That's what I want. I want to <laughs> eye roll somebody on Fox News. I just wanna, I'm not going to answer any questions. Just... I just want to see if I'm a good enough <laughs> actor to like trick white people into like thinking I'm the black guy who's on their side and actually like convince them to be liberal. You should have Don Lemon some folks. Yeah, but like more like Don Lime, you know? Don like, okay. Lime. Well, 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 well. Y'all better let me be free. <laughs> so even though poet is one of those things in this like big constellation of things that you are, of people that you are, is poetry a space in which you feel like you can be those multiple people, those multiple selves? Yes, without a doubt. I think the biggest umbrella is like mentor because mm. most mm. of everything I do always comes back to my students. I'm very, very open about a lot of shit on my social media and that's because like no one ever 
told me about this shit and then I like got to college and like put myself in a lot of harmful fucked up situations mm-hmm. because no one was ever like yo these are the shits that I went through and then poet is the second biggest umbrella and like everything mm-hmm. else follows under that I have poems mm-hmm. about all of these topics that I love mm-hmm. and the reason I love poetry so much is because I can I can write a poem about sports mm-hmm. or I can write a poem about like one of the things that me and my stepfather share is a love for baseball mm-hmm. so like all the people that want to like call me out on baseball my favorite memory of my dad is being at a game like right. and it means so much to me poetry is where I can just be like one um fuck you all these other cities um because I ride for Chicago so hard but also here's why this <sighs> means you knew I was gonna go there. Don't be, don't be heavy sighing. We are in Chicago, <laughs> Chicago all day. Let's go north side, uptown. I'm not playing. You knew, you knew what you knew. What you, you knew what she was doing when you brought me. Denez is uh, making you mad, an exaggerated you, yawning Are you upset? Gesture. Are you upset because the Vikings just got their ass? <laughs> you mad because we made it to the playoffs? No, I knew the Bears sucked. <laughs> I've always been honest about where my team. As long are. as you know. <laughs> I stay honest. Look, okay. Finish <laughs> Anyways. <your answer>. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's a place for me to offer up my humor mm-hmm. and almost all of the things I'm interested have some type of tie to a family member. Mm-hmm. They're almost all emotional connections to like who introduced me to this, my mother, my dad, my mm-hmm. uncles, my grandma. I don't like soft shit. I don't like, I don't like telling people nice things and I can do that in poetry and I can leave it there and walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not very comfortable with like shared emotions unless I'm like really close to you and also I just I'm so different from my family I walked into Thanksgiving and my uncle was like this your cousin Brittany she's the artistic one I was like (laughs) artistic means strange (laughs) it means problematic it means she's gonna talk about Columbus (laughs) he was like that's not what I meant I was like nigga yes it is um and I don't communicate with my family very well because we just we just don't speak the same language. Mm. But I can give them these poems. Mm. Damn. Yeah. That that hit me right in the For feels. Sure. <laughs> sure. Same. Same. But this whole book is about sex shit, so I can't wait for my grandma to read these poems. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, she made a generation, yo. You, she knows it's like. Uh, <laughs> she made a generation. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the best thing in the world. You know, one of my grandmas, my mom's mom. And mm-hmm. my mom, them some hoes that always been hoes. They always encourage hold them. They've ingrained the hold them into my life. Mm-hmm. My dad's mom go to church, got a whole liquor cabinet. She pretend like we don't see. Um, <laughs> so I can't wait for for that side of my family to read these poems. Do you do you? How do I say this? What is hoe poetics? <laughs> Okay, so, like, I think about this all the time because I write about, like, sex all the time, but uh-huh. I don't write erotica. I think erotica is, like, the most disgusting shit in the world. Like, <laughs> like once I heard Yo, this. I've wait, never like, heard... in general or just Bro, in poetry? this dude was, like, like erotic poems no, no, erotic are, like, poems. often trash. Erotic poems. Sure. This dude I was on open like... mic and he was reading this erotic poem and he was like, you know, when we have sex, it sounds like somebody's stirring macaroni and cheese. Oh. And it was the most <gasps> disgusting <gasps> thing I've ever heard. But also, like, but it's also, I, I thought about the sound and I was like, Maybe that's what sex sounds It definitely sounds like, like sex, but, but I don't I want to keep that. I want to keep my cheddar and my dick separate. Because oh. dick cheese ain't never been good for nobody. But like, <laughs> like hope poetics. That's a quotable right there. Look I think, here, tweet it. I can't stand y'all. <laughs> um, women are supposed to be these like things for dudes. Like by the time they decide to settle down and marry you, mm-hmm. you should be the best fuck possible because they're only going to fuck you. 
But the idea that you had to learn to have sex with all these other dudes <laughs> is like, oh, I can't believe you fucked somebody else. But also, I really like this thing that you learned by this person. And it's like, yo, fuck you. <laughs> and like, and like. Everybody wants the slutty virgin, yeah. And everybody, everybody wants the slutty virgin. And mm-hmm. it's like, nigga, you like that thing I do? Well, some nigga taught me. Yep. Mm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, whole poetics, like, I talk about pussy all the time. And I talk about dick all the time. I love sex. I love sexual freedom and really yes. no one taught me the difference between sexual freedom and sexual exploitation. And so mm. when I was younger, I thought I was being sexually free and I was having sex with all these people oh, yeah. and they were using me. Mm. And not to say that I'm not, I still may not encounter somebody using me, but now I can be like, mm, you're using me and I'm okay with it. Or you're using me and I'll use you too. And before I was like, no, I'm sexually free. I fuck all these people and I don't care if they call. But I really care. I really fucking cared. <laughs> and whole poetics doesn't, it doesn't mean, it doesn't just mean sex. Like mm. anybody that knows me knows I'm the biggest advocate for nudes. I have um, take more nudes, trust less people tattooed to my back. It is by far one of the most important mm-hmm. things, especially to like my students and like the young women that I work with. And it's like, yo, like if you find love in your body with a picture, that's great. Mm-hmm. If you want to send it to your friends, that's great. But know that you can trust them and that they will actually that they actually care about you. Mm-hmm. And like you have to be like honest about the world that we live in. And like whole poetics is like I have always been a little round girl, um, a little hairy round girl, and I hated my fucking body. Like just and and tattoos is truly what made me love my body. Like, mm. once I tattooed my leg, I was like, well, I guess I got to wear shorts because I spent $300 on this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. I, like, dressed like a little boy forever. And then I was like, well, I got my arms tattooed, so guess people finna get these fat-ass arms because this shit cost $200. And then I started taking nudes, and I think nudes are, like, a serious art form. I probably will teach a class. I, like, <laughs> I color edit my nudes. I, like, you I, do. like, I, like, I take them. I t- I'll, I'll show you after this. <laughs> Please. Um, but I take, I take nudes very seriously, and I give myself photo shoots. I have props. I have lights. Mm. I have colors because, like, I learned to truly love my body by taking pictures of it and then like how do I translate the love of this picture into words Mm. Um, this like love of my body that I'm not supposed to have you know that I'm supposed to be ashamed of that I'm supposed to be like I'm not and when I ever like I I said I have a personal trainer everybody in the gym's like what do you want to do and I was like, I just want to be able to walk up the stairs and breathe. Like, I don't care if I'm skinny. I'm not trying to be thin. I'm not looking. I just mm-hmm. want to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And healthy does not mean I have to be small. Mm-hmm. I have friends that are ace. And so, like, I, like, call one of my good friends, Lauren Ho, all the time. And at first, when we became friends, she would, like, correct me. And I'm like, yo, I don't mean you're having sex. Like, that's not what, that's not what I'm talking about. Ho means, like, you my down-ass bitch. You my real-ass friend. Like, you care about me. Mm-hmm. This word that I'm supposed to be ashamed of for this thing that I may or may not be doing. Like, you don't fuck somebody, you're called a hoe. You fuck somebody, you're called a hoe. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You're like, you are called a hoe just because you exist. And mm-hmm. so, like, okay, then I'll be that. I'm just not going to be it for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on now. The hoe as ownership, hoe as homie, hoe as all these things. Oh, I Can't love you. Can't spell homie without uh, a hoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I had a whole last question. Um... I was going to ask about, oh, I want to ask you about mentorship. You know, like, there's a lot of shit teachers out there. We're talking about, like, burnout teachers. Cool. There's a lot of great teachers, too. Shout out to great teachers. Shout, shout out, out to, to great like, teachers. Shout out to great teachers. Shout out to Rach Jackson, shout the best teacher in the world. Yeah, shout out to Rach Jackson. Yo, season one, what's up? What keeps you coming back, both, like, in your students and selfishly? You know, what do you get out of The students that I develop real connections with, like, I love them. The first time someone asked me to write a college recommendation, I was like, yo, why? Why me? And then I sat and wrote the letter, and I realized I had so much to say about them. Mm. 
And then they got into their first choice and I felt so proud. And I was like, this is actually like the best thing. One of my mentees, uh, Kaina, who is a beast as artist and like I taught her in high school 22 year old woman in the start of her career and it's been amazing to watch the Mm -hmm. growth that she's had like I said when I was writing I was terrible I had a lot of people that were mentors but a lot of people who were mentors that weren't actually calling me out for my shit and just letting me like regurgitate this bad behavior and me and my friends regurgitate a a bunch of bad behavior and a bunch of bad art the relationships I have with my students is like I engage with hundreds of students at any given time, but there's like 20, and they call me their absentee father. Um, (laughs) And I I meet their parents, and I'm introduced as their absentee father. And I I have my babies, and I love them and their growth. And when I cross the line, like, they call me out on it. And, like, that's how I know we're close, that they feel comfortable enough to do that. Mm. You know, a lot of kids are terrified of me, as they should be. Um, (laughs) But the ones I mentor, like— I track their lives. I stay involved with them throughout college. I care about your well-being. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to look at every poem you send me. You don't get to send me 200 poems a day. Like, that's not what this is. But I'm here for advice. I'm here for work with your poetry. And, you know, we have hard talks. We have talks about sexuality, about poems, about college, about, and you know, sometimes it's like, yo, like, I try and be, like, the angel on their shoulder Mm. everything in life is always the devil on their shoulder Mm. and telling them what they have to do and it's like yo i just want what's best for you and i want what's gonna make you happiest and so you know like it feels good also to like have people that like they love me they love me and they love me so hard and i'm not gonna pretend like that doesn't feel good like it does but i also love them with my heart my mom is an eighth grade teacher and Mm. she's like wild root anybody that's ever met brenda like <laughs> she's crazy um she like steals their milk like if my mom walks in the what? lunchroom if my mom walks in the lunchroom the kids will like shield their lunch because she just steals from them <laughs> but she's also like the most loved teacher my mom taught me that like i don't have to be soft mm. i don't have to placate i don't have to coddle i don't have to infantize them even though i call them babies i talk to y'all niggas the way i talk to my niggas like y'all my niggas okay cool that was some bullshit. That was some dope shit. That was some beautiful shit. I, like, pull up in my car, like, if y'all don't get your little nigga asses off the street, take your ass home. And they're the homies. I realize, like, being a teaching artist means as much to me, if not more to me, than generating my art. Mm-hmm. And it took me years to, like, think that was okay because I was like, well, you know, am I really a poet if I didn't get published? Am I really a poet if I don't put out a book? Am I really a poet if I don't, if I don't have shows? And it was like... When students started writing like me, I was like, oh, one, we have to stop this shit. <laughs> but two, like, I wrote like Patricia Smith, who I think is godlike. And I don't want to be anybody's god. I just want to be somebody's homie. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we find your voice? Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they were willing to, like, let me be a guide or a friend along that path is dope. Because it's also, like, it's a shared thing. Like, they have to love me the way I love them and That feels good. On every episode of Versus, we, of course, ask our incredibly talented guests to read a poem of theirs for us. Brittany, do you have a poem that you'd like to share with our listeners at home? I do. I do have a poem. Is this this is from the from the new joint? Yes. Yes. To every dude I ever yelled out, this pussy is yours too. 
you welcome. <laughs> welcome to this prestigious club. Niggas who I lied to, niggas whose numbers I never saved, niggas who I love so fervently I was willing to gift them what others took without asking. Do you call each other? Have special handshakes? Take turns reminiscing when you were lucky enough to be face first in this moist cavern of greatness? I hope you didn't think I meant it was yours, yours. Like, <laughs> just yours. It's more like a timeshare, where you're only allowed to come over between 1 and 6 a.m. Only speak to tell me how much you missed being here. One day, I might retire. Might let someone's daddy or auntie put a ring on it. Lock me down until their retirement plan dries out. But then again, who am I to deny this safe haven to the masses? Sorry I haven't called in a while. Haven't answered your texts, DMs, emails, tweets, smoke signals. I've just been so busy being too busy for you. But it's cool. Absence makes the pussy taste sweeter. <laughs> oh, my God. I, t- I, t- I told you it was ratchet. It is ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now it's time for another lit ass section. So because we're called verses, right? We um we're, we're violent, so we like to uh we 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 are we are, but only in the heart. Uh, <laughs> violent hearted, so, violent hearted. You know, just fight imagery. Yeah, just, uh, and so one thing I'm we're we're doing one thing. So one thing we'd like to do <laughs> is we like to ask our guests what knocked them out. Something that has KO'd you recently. Um, so Brittany, can you please tell us one thing? Art. Poem, song, tap dance, whatever it may be that has knocked you out recently. Right. And this doesn't have to be the the last time you've seen tap dance. Huh? (laughs) I'd be Googling Savion Glover sometimes. No one Googles Savion Glover. (laughs) I kind of like tap dancing. I feel like uh, my partner thinks child tap dancers turn into serial killers. I feel like you're telling me that I can't be a nerd right now and I'm being offended. So I'm going to go ahead and like tap dance and be my whole black queer whole self. Okay, so boom. Um, talk about your little thing. <laughs> um, we talked a lot about my mentorship and actually one of my students, Melody Maddie, dropped a song today and I literally have not played anything besides the song. Um, I heard her do it at our open mic last week, the week before. Um, and it's It's called On Purpose. All women of color, mm-hmm. all queer folks just need to hear it. And, like, the course is, like, life's too short. Don't give it away. Fix your face. Have a good day on purpose today. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that, like, yes, on yes, purpose. yes, yes, yes. That is something I would tattoo to myself. I need that someplace where I can see it every day. Mm-hmm. Like, intentionally choose yourself. Like, intentionally choose yourself. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Oh, yeah. On Versus, we like to play a little game called This Versus That, where we pit two things, people, concepts, pieces of art, the types of fruit, whatever, uh, against each other and ask you to say who would win in a fight, this or that. For today's This Versus That, who would win in a fight? In this corner, we have bros, and in this corner, we have hoes. Ooh. (laughs) Hoes are strong. Hoes are strong. First of all, like... Do you know how tiring being a hoe is? <laughs> Wearing heels, looking cute, like riding a dick. That's a lot of work. That's a strong bitch. Yeah. Give some str- if you were a hoe, you got some strong ass thighs. That's true. 
Crush Oof. a nigga with your thighs. You heard it here first, y'all. Hoes win by thigh knockout. All right. <laughs> by thigh knockout. By thigh knockout. TKO. TKO says producer Daniel from Off Mic. What the fuck? All right, Brittany, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show, for being so generous with us and our listeners. Yes, so generous. Thank you. Thank you. a lot of fun. You coined the term hopoetics. Oh, I also like hoetics. Hoetics, hoetics. All right. Everybody go get your hoetics on. That's my setting. Bye, niggas and not niggas. Yo, that interview really did it for my spirit. Can I just it was say so that? Great. It does. It, it was does. so great to talk to Brittany. It was. And like she just said so many cool things. One of the cool moments I think I'm gonna hold on to a very long time was the way she talked about her tattoos. Right. You know, that was yeah. a really powerful moment of like talking about ownership and identity, mm-hmm. not just about like I got this cool ink, bro. Mm-hmm. Franny, what's your next tattoo? Well, there's a few on my mind, but I think the one that I really want to get next is, um, it's based on something that the poet Amy Nezuka Matadal said at Kundiman. Bitch, um, we are kindred. Okay, keep going. Wait, what? Just go keep going. Amy yeah, no. <gasps> oh, girl. <laughs> this just got a little too. Okay, okay. <laughs> keep it together, Francis. All right. <laughs> um, but I think the next tattoo that I'm going to get is something based off of something that she said during the Kundiman retreat, which is a retreat for Asian American writers. Mm-hmm. She just said... And I want you, while you're writing this, to just allow yourself to soften. Hmm. And I was just like totally wrecked by that directive hmm. because even though I consider myself like quite a vulnerable bitch, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I wasn't, uh, I wasn't allowing myself to soften like in my writing huh. and in a space like that where vulnerability was so central and hmm. so important and okay. Hmm. I asked my uh, younger sibling Bridget to write out the word "soften" in a few a few different ways, and I would like to get it tattooed on my body in their handwriting. Word, yeah, oh. it's a reminder to myself to be yeah. soft. Amen. Yeah. What okay. about you? What's your next okay, tattoo? Okay, this is how I know that we are fucking sisters, bitch. <gasps> oh, uh, because my next tattoo is the Amy Nizuka no! <laughs> How is that possible? Oh, because we're the same bitch. Oh, um, no. So, so, I, so she has this chat book with Ross Gay. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Which I really, really love. Yeah. And um, she has this line in there that says, I would drink the red and blue stars if I thought my thin throat could handle it. Ooh. And she's referencing two different flowers there. So I want to get the two flowers on my neck, oh my but like God. with like, you know, like starlight sort of like radiating around oh them. Like, yeah. God. And so, yeah. So I really, and I told myself I can't get a neck tattoo until I win like something that will like make me impossible to fire one Completely day. Completely unfuckwittable. Yeah. Yes. So as soon as I get like an unfuckwittable thing, then I'm going to run and get this Amy Nizuka Matado tattoo. Yeah. Wow. I'm still so blown away by the cosmic <laughs> yeah. intersection of our tattoo Girl, aspirations. I, you are the Korean in me i am the black you it's, like let's like it's true yeah race was never real we're the same bitch sometimes okay? i forget which race each of us is yo <laughs> well well that's a lie i'm just saying it for effect but yeah it's yeah, not yeah, true. yeah girl we not white we see race yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so anyways um let's do some thank yous and get on out of here brandy who you gotta thank this week um on that subject i would like to thank black asian friendships everywhere hey yeah yeah you know amy and ross yeah and me yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, you <laughs> I would like to thank Asian and black friendships everywhere. Let's just go, go ahead and switch it up. We're the same. We're the same. We're the same. All right. We would also 
like to thank the Poetry Foundation, especially our partner in crime, Idaomi Noriega. We would like to thank Post Loudness, all the folks there. And we would like to thank especially our producer, Daniel Kisslinger. Hey, uh, keep up with all the things that Versus is doing at VS the podcast on all social media. You can find all of the episodes from this season and from season one on SoundCloud, iTunes, the Poetry Foundation website at poetryfoundation.org slash podcasts or wherever else you get the things that you like to have in your ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and until then, hopefully, um, you know, we'll be back in your ears again soon, y'all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, have a good one. Be safe. Be um, don't do that stupid. Um, and don't, yeah, just don't. And do. So. Yeah. Take those directors out of your Don't and do. And bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>